welcome to the ghost gig. Are you sitting comfortably? Then let's begin. And so it begun. And so it begins. Hello, everybody. Hello. I hope everyone's well. We are just. <laughs> we are now functioning fully, pretty much, pretty much. We've had an awful yeah. week. We've both had flu. Um, I can only just sort of speak and not really sing at the moment. But yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, been, a, it's been a fun it's week It's been a really, so, it? it's been the longest week of my life because I literally haven't left the flat for a week. Tell you what, um, I stared at a lot of the ceiling. Yeah. That's, that's and the TV the and just, yeah, it's, it's been, it's been, I'm, I'm proud that we're actually getting this out on time. Yeah, well, yeah, I this mean, isn't going to come out late. I mean, unless, well done us. really changes drastically. Yeah, considering that. In the next 12 hours. Yeah, <laughs> considering how poorly we've been, you know. I feel like, I was thinking the other day, actually, this podcast, it obviously documents our lives because it's been going on for two years. <laughs> yeah. But it's mostly when we're sick. So it's mostly me moaning about me being ill, you know, all yeah, through lockdown and chart. COVID. Yeah. And now flu. Um, so. <coughs> Just to prove it, everyone. Maybe we can cut, there cut that out, hopefully. Yeah. Um, yeah, so... You're right, it's basically just, just chronicle our illness. Yes, hello, it? we're ill again. <laughs> <laughs> or, hello, it's too hot, or hello, it's too cold. Yes. That's basically what the, outside of the horror stories and songs, that's kind of what you learn from this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Well, now that we're kind of in the, in the you know, the run-up to our wedding, which is like less than six months now, I just, I'm just obsessed with the weather. Because obviously in February, the weather's not going to be great, but... If there's a bit of warmth, I'm like, oh, look, warmth. Hopefully uh, it'll be warm like in June. Record high temperature for February. Yeah. Hopefully but, I won't yeah. listen to this back in June and go, it's fucking raining. You abs- whenever you listen to this back, you will be, your toes will curl. I promise yeah, you that. I know. Oh, well. <laughs> um, so we're on to a song episode. We are. And we you are. very kindly did. The, I was going to do the song, but I couldn't because I could barely even whisper, let alone sing. Yeah. So, I mean, I know what the song is, but I don't know anything else about it. You told okay. me specifically don't go rummaging. So yeah, I yeah. didn't go rummaging. So you got all the actual info. All I got was the lyrics and the tune. I very much enjoyed your your version of this. Did you know the song before? Yes, I recognise this um, from some deep, dark annals of my memory. Yeah. yeah. I didn't realise there was actually a Johnny Cash version of it. Turns out it wasn't very useful as a reference material, but No, I think there. his is like the most known. So the, the song well, it's is... it's a solid song. It's just... The song is called My Grandfather's Clock, I believe. It is. Um, why don't you play it first and then we can have a little chat about it. Yeah, let's prompt people's memory. Okay. Here goes. My grandfather's clock was too large for the shelf So it stood 90 years on the floor It was taller by half than the old man himself Though it weighed not a penny weighed more It was bought on the morn of the day he was born And he's always his treasure and pride But it stops short, never to go again when the old man died Ninety years without slumbering His life seconds numbering It stopped short Never to go again when the old man died Watching his pendulum swing to and fro In the hours that he spent while a boy And in childhood and manhood the clock seemed to know And to share both his grief and his joy for it struck 24 when he entered at the door With a blooming and beautiful bride But it stopped short Never to go again when the old man died 
slumbering. His life seconds numbering. It stopped short, never to go again when the old man died. My grandfather said that of those he could hire, not a servant so faithful he found. For it wasted no time, and that had what one desire At the close of each week to be wound And it kept in its place, not a frown upon its face And its hands never hung by its side But it stopped short, never to go again When the old man died Ninety years without slumbering His life seconds numbering It stopped Short, never to go again when the old man died. It rang an alarm in the dead of the night, an alarm that for years had been dumb. And we knew that his spirit was blooming for flight, that his hour of departure had come. Still the clock at the time with a soft muffled chime as we silently stood by his side. But it stopped short. Never to go again when the old man died Ninety years without slumbering His life seconds numbering It stopped short Never to go again when the old man died 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 Bum 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 You didn't have any fun with that at all, did no, you? No, no, I hated every minute of it. I have to say, so that's the sound of us being ill, everyone. You are a total dick for putting in that alarm that wakes everyone up in the morning. You know that that. <sighs> I, I knew, it, I knew when I was doing it when I was. It sends people. a jolt through me. Yeah, me too. That me is too. my wake up alarm. That it's everyone's wake up alarm. We're all too lazy. I was thinking about this recently. Like you know, years ago, everyone used to pay money for like ringtones and stuff, or oh, like fuck that. customized ringtones. Now. When was you know my phone lives on silent? It has on for years. Yeah, yeah. Just, no one, no one does that kind of stuff anymore. But, uh, like, that, even everyone though, leaves the ringtone as it is for alarms. Listening to that song, even though I know it's coming, every time I hear that noise, and people use it as an alarm, like for cooking and stuff. Yeah. Every time I hear it, I get this weird jolt of like electricity through my body because like, time to get up, time to get up. Oh shit, you know. And it's, it's but not the boing noise. It's That's really okay, unpleasant. Right? The boing noise is safe. The boing noise is fine, but the <laughs> the alarm noise is is really unpleasant to my to my psyche. It's really unpleasant. I can't be Burned the only in, one. Isn't it? You're a dick for putting that <laughs> in because <laughs> it can't. You, it must be the same for you as well. Yeah. So why why? I don't know. It seemed right. Um, because it's, it's a modern version of a clock chime, essentially, to us. Right. You know, when was the last time we heard a, you had actually heard a clock chime? That's, that suppose, was my thinking. I suppose. So, obviously, you you probably got the story of the song. The It wasn't too obscure, was it? No. So there's the singer's grandfather purchases the clock, and it, it basically ticks throughout his entire life. When he you know, got married, and but when he dies, um, the clock stops. It basically does. Yeah, it marks so his life really yeah. effectively and they know he's about to go it, yeah it's like the clock predicts the guy's death basically so not scary but a little bit a little bit spooky morbid potentially supernatural but yeah more than many other songs i guess um so there is a little story behind this song i did wonder because i thought this isn't it's a nice song but it's an odd one for you to task me to do so i would mm. like to know where this is going hey it's difficult to find a spooky song that we can cover without you know, yeah, I, know. So I was quite pleased to find this one so i was like oh you know, it's not a folk song. Public domain. Yeah. Hooray. 
And now that some of Disney's come into um, public domain, I'm trawling through trying to find anything that we could use, but nah. <laughs> nah. Anyway, um, yeah, so this uh, song has a little backstory. Okay. So uh, over 100 years ago in Piercebridge, which is in North Yorkshire, which is in England, in case anyone doesn't know that, uh, there was a quaint little country lodge known as the George Hotel. And the George Hotel was managed by two bachelor brothers named Jenkins, also from England. Um, this is probably from an American website. No, 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 no offense to Americans, but I think it keeps pointing out it's in England, whereas obviously we know that, but I suppose other people might not. Um, in the lobby stood a floor clock, as they were called back in those days. And it had been there for many years. One unusual characteristic on the old clock was that it kept very good time, despite being so old. This was uncommon, since in those days, clocks were generally not noted for their accuracy. Okay, okay. Just bear with me. Yeah, of course. I only have half my voice. <clears throat> it's fine. One day, one of the brothers died and suddenly the old clock started losing time. At first, it lost 15 minutes per day. But when several clocksmiths gave up trying to repair it, it was losing more than an hour a day. Wow, that's pretty useless. Yeah. The clock's incurable problem became talked about as its precision had been. Some said it was no surprise that, though fully wound, the old clock stopped when the surviving brother died at the age of 90. I wonder if that was going to be where we go with this. Yep. 90 years without, what was it? Stumbling. Stumbling. The new manager of the hotel never attempted to have it repaired. He just left it standing in the sunlit corner of the lobby, its hands resting in the position they assumed the moment the last Jenkins brother died. So when the the second Mm. brother died, it completely stopped. Mm. In about 1875, an American singer-songwriter named Henry Work happened to be staying at the George Hotel during a trip to the UK. Uh He was told the story of the Jenkins brothers and the old clock. It inspired him. When he got back to the States, he wrote a tune about the clock and its story. But to personalise the lyrics somewhat, he decided to write one about an old man and visualise the old man as his own grandfather. The tune was named My Grandfather's Clock. Henry Clay Work had already gained a lot of success in the United States during the Civil War for several tunes he penned. Kindon coming and marching through Georgia among them. Okay. Yep. The tune My Grandfather's Clock became very well known and perhaps even more well known to th- than the tune for it is the type of clock. Before Henry Clay Work named the tall standing clock in his song, these types of clocks were known as case clocks, coffin clocks, standing clocks, upright clocks, long clocks, etc. Cabinet clocks, what I heard, yeah. Cabinet clocks, don't say clock, not anything yeah, else. Yeah, so nothing else, nothing about chickens. <laughs> It was only after the tune was written that they became known as... Grandfather clocks. Yeah. Okay. All this right. song gave the name of a grandfather clock. There too. you are. History yeah. and horror. Henry, we got it all, everyone. Henry Claywork was born in Middleton, Connecticut on the 1st of October, 1832. During his life, he wrote many a popular American tune, but it seems to have reached his peak during the Civil War period of the United States. Among his tunes are Marching Through Georgia, the 19th century hit The Ship That Never Returned. Give that a listen. That sounds like something we probably should have started with, doesn't it? This tune inspired the reworking lyrics in The Train That Never Returned, which inspired the tune of The Wreck of Old 97. I feel there's a kind of disaster theme going on there, isn't there? The Wreck of Old 97 (laughs) is very popular among fiddle players. Oh, right, okay. 
The Kingstown trio borrowed the tune by work and added a melodic bridge in further reworking of the original idea of the ship that never returned. We need to look at the ship that never returned. I think we do. This was also killed, called the MTA song. The song tells of the story of Charlie who rides non-stop on the subway and just keeps going round and round and round the system. Okay, I was thinking, what's an MTA? And I was, oh, I think that's the name of New York yeah. subway or something like that. So we've know. got lots of tunes there to listen to, so thank yeah, you. Yeah, basically what you've done is just set us more homework. Yeah, thanks, Henry Claywork. <laughs> um, I have to say, this last bit I did just copy and paste and I hadn't read it properly, So, but it's good. We've got, we've got um, some more songs to look at. But yeah, so it's down to him that the clocks are called the grandfather clock. Which is, okay. I didn't know okay. that. I knew of the song, but I just assumed he called it that because. I knew of the song as well, yeah. From I, I just assumed they were already called Grandfather Clocks and he just kind of used it, you know, in the song. But no, he invented it. I know that people used to, like, you know, the, the clock was obviously a lot more expensive back in the day. Yeah. And they would have controlled a lot of how things like, you know, large estates and, and plantations and things were actually run. So, you know, they, were quite, they are an important piece of equipment. Mm. And obviously, if you were rich, you had a very nice clock. And if you were not so rich, you probably just bought the mechanism and then got a cabinet maker to put a box around it or something. But so, so it's probably some kind of measure of class and affluence and stuff. Obviously, like trying to get back to the paranormal side. So this clock, it was a true story. This clock did start to lose time when one old brother died. Mm. And then when the second brother died, it completely stopped, mm. which is very strange if that's true. I mean, it could equally be just a yarn, couldn't it? You yeah, know, of course. T- tell a good story for a guest at your hotel. Yeah, fair yeah, enough. Yeah, of course. But still, you know. It's inspired a cool song. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, cool. Mm. So that's that's our song of the week. and um, Song of the month? Song of the month. <laughs> um, and to complement it, I have looked into some time slips because we've not done these yet. Ah, uh, okay. Well, I think we hinted at one, I feel like, long ago. There was some, something about a time slip. I don't remember, did we? Like if someone went into a room that was back in the 30s. I don't, I don't know. We didn't dwell on it. So, no, I mean, yeah, I, you're right. It's I kind pretty... of wanted a haunted clock story, but I couldn't find one. and <laughs> Not a decent one anyway. I, I found a couple, but they were just so lame. Oh, like, no. uh, okay. And yeah. so these are, we haven't looked at time slips yet, I don't think. Um, if we did, it was very briefly. And these are really fascinating. Not scary, I'm afraid, but pretty interesting because there's cases of this all over the place when people think they've okay. accidentally slipped back in time. So just to check, do you say, you know what a time slip is? Yes, I know what a time yeah. slip is. Yeah. So someone is going about their day-to-day life and they walk into a place and they've suddenly gone back in time without even trying. And yes. then sometimes it's literally for a few seconds and everything resets or sometimes they're there for days and they don't know if they're going to be able to escape or not. Um, sounds pretty wild. I don't. It's know. a really good premise for sitcoms, yeah. uh, dramatic plays, anything like that, really. Um, right. So we're going to look at a couple of time slips. And our first story is called Nair BMB. OK. <laughs> Nair. Nair. It was, uh, Are we, we in Scotland? Uh, no, it reminded oh. me of, obviously it's a play on Airbnb. And we were watching Family Guy the other day and Stewie says, look at all these ne'er-do-wells. When is he going to do well? Ne'er. Ah. So, yeah, it says ne'er-B&B. I don't know if I've spelled it right, probably not. Anyway, are you ready? Yes, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> right, squeaky voice teen. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to be scared, please. Okay, you're not going to be scared by these, I'm afraid. Aww. You're really not. And also, That's I was right. still pretty ill when I was writing these, so they're probably complete nonsense. Are you saying you were delirious? Um, no. Okay. No, I've got past the fever stage. Oh, that's good. Um, right, let's see. Yeah, okay. Let's see how you did. Let's <laughs> see how we did. 
The following event happened to Mr. William Morris, not that Mirit William Morris, but okay. a Mr. William Morris from Ponty Clung. I hope I said that right. That's a wonderful place name. In New South Wales. It was the late 80s and at the time, William was a civilian lorry driver in the motor transport section of the RAF. William's work would often keep him on the road at weeks at a time, so he was a regular visitor to hotels, motels and bed and breakfasts. The amount of times I want to say Airbnbs, but of course, because <laughs> they're so used to saying Airbnb now, but of course that wouldn't have been a thing in the 80s. Nope. Just regular, you know, soil B&Bs. Yeah. Soil B&Bs. One summer, William was instructed to make a trip to Cheltenham in Gloucester. You know all about that, don't I you? I remember that place. The journey was around... Ni- from Australia? They must be called that as well. They must have another place. No, New South Wales. Is that just in Australia, is it? New South Wales is a state in Australia. In Australia? Huh. sure it's not just South Wales? Maybe it is. Why have I written New South Wales? I, I told know. you I was you poorly. Were okay, let's just say we're in Wales and oh, we're going you, down you had, to... You had a place name that sounded kind of Welsh. Yeah, um, yeah. Ponty... I must have... Ponty... Ponty Clung. <laughs> Ponty... Oh, that's a wonderful name. Okay, apologies. I must have put New South... I must have put New in by accident. I'm probably thinking about I'm a celebrity for some reason. Um, <laughs> I was very ill when I wrote this. Right. Okay, okay, so let's say we're in Wales and we're going down to Gloucestershire. Okay? That does to make Cheltenham. sense. They're next to each other. Right. The journey was around 90 miles. That's about right, that isn't it? Right. Yeah. yeah. So it's about an hour and a half to drive, depending on traffic. <laughs> we're not in Australia. By the time William had arrived, it was almost evening. Spotting a sign for a bed and breakfast, he pulled over. It was a modern-looking building, a single-storey semi-detached house set in well-kept grounds. God, do you remember that, like, just turning up to a town and hoping there'll be somewhere to stay? Yeah. can't imagine that, because obviously now you just book it. You would at least call, wouldn't yeah. you? Yeah. As William locked his lorry, the sun was beginning to set. He looked up at the house. All the curtains and blinds were shut. He made his way to the front door and rang the bell. It was opened almost immediately by an old lady dressed in gardening clothes. <laughs> Sorry to bother you, said William politely. I don't suppose you have a room for the night. The woman looked at him distastefully. For how many? she said abruptly. Oh, just me, said William. You have a car? she barked. No, no I, I've got a lorry. It was then that her demeanour seemed to change. Her coldness appeared to thaw somewhat and the old lady showed William up to a large room with a generous-sized bed. A child's toy sat on the pillows. William frowned but said nothing. How much for the room? he asked instead. Ah, she waved away his question. We'll settle that in the morning. Well, that's not at all suspicious. No, not at all. that's good. Not sure what else to do, William agreed and went out to his lorry to collect his suitcase. He was bringing it back up the path when the old woman suddenly appeared in front of him, making him jump. It was as if she'd just materialised from the depths of a nearby willow tree. What will you require for breakfast? She asked with a sickly smile. Uh, um, anything really. I, I'm, I'm not fussy, said William, trying not to let on that his heart was banging away in his chest. The woman nodded and glided away. William settled into his room. Later, he made a trip for the bathroom, where he found everything quaint and old-fashioned, from the bath to the toilet to the pipework. Back in his room, he discovered a pile of comics, all dated from the 1940s. The next morning, William awoke to the bright sunlight pouring through the curtains. He was puzzled as he was sure he'd pulled the heavy curtains closed last night. Kicking off his bedclothes, William dressed quickly and came out into the corridor. Hello, he called. Hello? There was no response. 
William began to wander through the house in search for the old woman. In the lounge, all the furniture was covered in white drapes. In the kitchen, everything was coated in a thick layer of dust. It was quite clear that it had not been used for years. The old lady was nowhere to be seen. William was unnerved and decided he simply needed to leave as soon as possible. He packed his belongings and, not to be outdone, left three pounds on the downstairs table. For many years, William kept the strange experience to himself. Then, one day, two RAF officers were instructed to drive to Cheltenham. William found himself telling them the strange story. Intrigued, the two men asked William where they might find the bread and breakfast. William remembered well where the building had been. Only, the men returned, reporting that all they'd found was a housing estate. After doing a bit of poking around, they had discovered that a bomb had been dropped during World War II and had completely flattened the area. Then the housing estate had been built. No one local remembered or had even heard of a local bread and breakfast in that area. Mm. Very okay. strange. These are apparently true. So Okay. All right. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. I mean, it's weird that like you kind of think, oh, when he wakes up the next morning, he's gone back to... He's gone back to the present day because it's all kind of dusty and covered, but it seems it wasn't even there at all. Up in some random housing estate. Yeah, I suppose. Or someone's uh, garage. Or but something. it wasn't even there at all. Like the, the house wasn't even. So it's like he's gone through two different dimensions almost. Yeah, it's a bit strange, isn't it? Very weird. <laughs> I bet she took his three quid. Probably, yeah. <laughs> when, when you said three quid, I thought, is that? Was that the going rate for a... Well, in the 80s, three I quid. Know. I don't is know. That, I don't know if that's the going rate for a and b Who knows? I don't know. Anyone who was alive in the 80s, is three quid cheap for a... I think it probably is pretty cheap, isn't it? Probably. I would imagine. I mean, if you think, what what's it now? Like 50, 60 quid? So it'd be, what, a tenner? 15? I could be completely yeah, out. I, I don't I know. know. Uh, yeah, I, was, I don't know. I don't whatever, know. Whatever. <laughs> Our second story is called Dirty Roads Take Me Home. Okay. <laughs> In 2007, Glenn Johnson was making his way through the back roads of Empire, Oklahoma. That's in America. We know that. It is in America. <laughs> is it going to keep saying in America throughout the story? It was well? getting dark in America. And as, and as he made his way through America, it became apparent that in America, a thunderstorm was on the horizon in wow. America. An America! Fuck yeah! <laughs> he pushed down on the gas a little harder because he hoped to get home before the storm reached him. Mm-hmm. His home was in America. Okay. It wasn't long before he realised that the road he was driving down was no longer paved. It had become a rough dirt path. He must have taken the wrong turn. But by now he was disorientated and decided to keep driving straight, figuring he'd eventually meet the main road. After some distance, he reached a gas station. It was a very odd-looking one, with old gas signs for gasoline and 1950s gas pumps and old hubcaps hanging on the walls. Some distance down from the road were a row of mobile homes, again, retro-looking, with cars parked outside, looking like they'd driven straight out of the 1960s. Glenn blinked and told himself he must have stumbled across some kind of retro vehicle convention. That's pretty cool. Yeah, he was fascinated. All of the vehicles looked in mint condition, and if it weren't for the storm rolling in, he may well have spent some time inspecting his surroundings. However, it was getting dark now and the storm wasn't going to wait, so Glenn drove on. Thankfully, the weather began to ease a little bit. Yet Glenn felt uneasy. The dirt road seemed to go on forever and nothing around him looked the slightest bit familiar. He turned down another dirt road and blindly drove on. 
There are more of the old-fashioned mobile homes, but still no sign of modern civilization. Eventually, Glenn decided to retrace his steps and head back to the gas station he'd seen. Once he reached it, he scrambled out of his car to investigate. There was a Coke machine at the side of the building full of glass bottles. No plastic or tin in sight, although the gas station was lit up. It was all very quiet. I bet the Coke would have tasted better. It does taste better of a glass bottle. It 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 really does. does. It's weird. Like if you're on holiday and they give you a... Yeah. uh, I don't know why. Where was everybody? Without knowing what else to do, he set off again, this time in a different direction. This time, he could see houses on either side of him and the same old-fashioned cars. He took another dirt road. More houses, more cars. He tried several roads, all with the same result. Finally, Glenn stopped and switched off the engine. Frustrated, he felt like banging his head against the steering wheel. After a few minutes, he decided he was not up for spending the night in the car and switched the engine back on. As the headlights lit up the road ahead, he caught sight of the paved road. His heart started racing and he drove forwards. As soon as his wheels touched the tarmac, the storm returned. A quick glance behind him confirmed that the mobile homes had all disappeared. Glenn didn't stop to question the bizarre event. He was too anxious to get home and was soon speeding in in that direction along the highway. A few days later, with a clearer head and clearer weather, Glenn decided he wanted to go and try and make sense of his strange experience. He drove back to the Empire Road. The road was all paved. He saw no signs of dirt roads, mobile homes or a gas station. All he did find was a field with a few dented concrete foundations. His curiosity burning him, he began to ask around. According to the locals, the dirt road had been paved over in the 1980s. There once had been a gas station, but that had been torn down in 1987, just leaving a few concrete foundations in a field. The last time it had served as a gas station was in 1981. Hmm. So he did, he slipped back in time. and I like that we've got, he has a description of his actual transition as well. Yeah. Like, hit the new road, weather changed. Yeah, okay, that's cool. Yeah, and there's so many of these. I mean, uh, those ones I have not, I, I chose those ones because I've not heard those before. Hmm. But there's a really, uh, like, common one about two ladies at the uh oh god what's it called versailles the oh, garden yes, of versailles yeah. like slipping back in time and seeing mary antoinette that's a really well-known one right okay uh, there's a there's a place in liverpool that's supposed to be notorious for it um apparently there was um i think there was one in tumbridge Wells. i think that's, that's the, where that's, that's it wasn't it long ago yeah yes. yeah there's there's one in tumbridge Wells, but um that shop's long gone now but i can't we have to find out where that or is or is it Sorry, or is it it's yeah. gone it's gone but they're bizarre things, time slips. I mean, you would panic, wouldn't you? Or at least be very confused. Yeah. As would everyone around you. Well, in a lot of these, like there's one, I think it's the one in Liverpool, this woman goes into a shop, or is it her husband? Anyway, someone goes into a shop and it's almost like people aren't aware they're there because, you know, mm. they obviously people are dressed in the period of the time clothes and this person isn't, but they don't really notice the sort of time traveler if you so it's almost like they're a ghost sort of watching through yes. through you know for somewhere so it's very very strange um i'd kind of like part of me would really like to experience it but then part of me would be like what if i can't get back you know <laughs> i was gonna say well they always come back in the stories of course that's how you get the stories isn't it yeah so you don't have a story about someone who doesn't come back and i'm not being funny here but think about how many people just disappear well, yeah, I suppose that's one of those conspiracy theory kind of. Yeah, I mean, I'm um, not, I'm not a conspira- conspiracy theorist uh, at all. Thought but, processes, isn't it? You know, 
this is just me playing devil's advocate, but what if some of those people got stuck in time slips? Do people, do people randomly show up in towns that appear to be from some unru- another part of time? I don't know. I don't know. And get stuck. It was the man from Pangea, which is something we've not looked at. He, this man randomly turned up. This was real. And he had, um, he had documentation to say that he was a citizen of the land of Pangaea, which was the name of the... Yeah, the supercontinent before yeah, the Yeah, so that was strange. And he had all these kind of weird, you know, weird kind of no documentations and identifications and stuff. Um, and they held him overnight. I think he was in, at an airport and put all his documents in the safe. And the next day, both him and the documents had just disappeared. Well, he's got his documents back. That's good. But it was in a safe. Like, how on earth did he mm. get them? Like He, he probably did. not If, that's, if you yeah. go with that, st- that sort of telling of the story, then... When, yeah. when he went back to wherever, they went with him. Yeah, that's very well, str- not with him, but, you know, they also disappeared. Yeah, that's so. bizarre, isn't it? Really bizarre. But what if he had gone into a time slip back here? Yeah, that's what that's. Yeah. Like. Oh, it's, it's very strange. It boggles my mind slightly. <laughs> well, that's because you're thinking about time travel. Yeah. And if you think about it too long, you'll always go cross-eyed, as explained in Austin Powers. Okay. Okay. I haven't watched that for a long time. So. <laughs> but, yeah, that, there, we, there we have it. So I hope you enjoyed those. I did enjoy that, yeah. Um, that was fun. We shall be back in a couple of weeks, hopefully with full voice for our film episode. Full voice, fully formed, singing and dancing. Yeah. Well, you're back um, to full voice. I'm, I'm still a bit. Uh, I had to, re- I had to record a song this morning for work, and uh, my voice is back to being a bit croaky after that. So hey, <laughs> it's fine. It's it fine. all went fine. Yeah. Cool. So thank you so much for listening and yeah. we'll be back in a couple of weeks. If you would like to get in touch with us, you can email us at ghostgiguk at gmail.com. That is ghostgiguk at gmail.com or find us on our socials. Yeah, please come and talk to us. Okay. Thank you so much for listening. Yes, Bye. Thank you. Goodbye. Goodbye.